This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Sona, how's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. <laughs> Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. <laughs> They've so got sad. stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed okay. and cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. <laughs> I'm Amy Sedaris, and I feel bullied into being Conan's friend. <laughs> Wait a minute. Bullied! <laughs> bullied! Farley's here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hello, Conan O'Brien here. Welcome to another installment of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend podcast slash really, a, I've said it many times, but a scam, I think, yeah. because it's just an excuse for me to babble like a chimp on meth. And uh, I really do enjoy it. It's been uh, it's been wonderful. I have to say, especially in the last nine months during this period of yes. just shut down. Um, this is a extra nice release for me to come in here and uh, open up my head and really let my worst demons come out, and then occasionally um, insert advertising in there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we're getting away with this. It's been a good outlet for you. <laughs> it's been a great outlet. I really don't. I think if we didn't have, I still get to do the show and everything, but for some reason, I think if we didn't have the podcast. I don't know. I don't know what I've I'd, I'd have gone quite mad a long time ago. Uh, Sona, you're looking well as thank always. Thank you. Thank you. What was that? That was weird. That was really strange. That was weird. I don't know what that was. I'm okay. Sorry. Well, it's nice to see you, Sonny. You look lovely as hey, always. Thank you. We see each other uh, all the time now. I think we see each other every day. Yeah. And um, how's your wonderful husband, Tack? I, I don't know if I love that you two are such good pals. I love talking to Tack. He and I share. Sona's husband and I share many things. We're both fascinated by history, especially World War II yeah. history. And of course, he was born uh, in the old Soviet Union. Yes. And he knows a lot about 
Russian tanks of, from World War II and Russian history. And uh, he and I, I'll talk, be talking to you about something work-related and I'll hear yeah. Tack in the background and I'll start yelling until you put him on the phone. Yes. And then he and I talk about T-34 tanks uh-huh. and how they saved Russia on the on the Eastern Front in World War II. Yeah. And Sona's pissed. You get it's pissed. It's my worst nightmare. Well. Well, I want to go home to a place that's safe and complain about you. <laughs> and I think that the closer you get with Tack, the harder it is for me me to complain about you because he's always like, oh, it's Conan. Don't complain. He's awesome. He's the best, right? Ugh, he's the best. The worst. Matt Gorley, how are you? I'm excited to talk about some T-34 tanks at the Battle of uh, You're into it too, right? Yeah, yeah. I Incredible really tank. Girls, yeah. keep Amanda away from Conan. <laughs> that sounds creepy. <laughs> I, I, sorry. Sorry. I do. Sounds... <laughs> that was the first thing I was told by human resources. <laughs> yeah. but not, It's funny. Matt Gorley has a very attractive uh, wife, extremely attractive woman. She's beautiful and smart and talented. And yet uh, it's so funny because when people would say to Gourley probably early on, just keep her away from Coney. He would assume it's because I'm a lech and a creep. Not that I'll corner her and try to make her talk about the superior tank, really the best tank of World War II oh. that the Soviets managed to make under incredibly difficult circumstances, the T-34. She's a panzer girl, though, you'll find. She's really into panzers. Panzers are great, but guess yeah. what? You know, they needed a lot of maintenance, and uh, the oil froze up. You know, it was synthetic oil. Germans didn't have a huge access to oil, oh. and uh, it, their their synthetic oil froze up uh-huh. in the incredible cold on the Russian steppes, oh, okay. and uh, that was a huge problem for them. If I had a dime for every time I tried to tell her that. Yeah. This is why got, men are always saying, just keep your wife away from Conan. <laughs> Not because I'm a lech or a sexual threat in any way, but because I will corner them and say, you know, the Germans had to light fires underneath the Tiger tank just to heat up the oil, but not the T-34. And those were built in improvised factories that had to be on the move. Um, Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Who knows that much about tanks? Uh, Lots of people. But Why? What do you mean? I mean, I guess, like, you know what? You if know what? Just because I'm not Matt interested Gourley, right? doesn't mean that no one else is. Yes. Yeah. I could go down. I have weird rabbit holes of knowledge, and I always thought people used to say to me, "Oh, you should go on uh, on on Jeopardy," and I would think, "Well, I have vast, strange, weird reservoirs of knowledge, but." They wouldn't line up with a Jeopardy question, I don't think. <laughs> Unless things lined up perfectly, people would tune in to me on on Jeopardy and just be stunned. <laughs> you know, because it'd be things I just didn't, super obvious things I didn't know. Yeah. You know, uh, and she sewed the American flag and I'd be like, what? <laughs> I don't understand. You'd start crying on Jeopardy. I just don't understand. <laughs> Why would you react that way, though? I like to be really petulant on a game show. I like to go on a game show and just become immediately petulant <laughs> and, and undo. You know, people say I've I've engendered a lot of goodwill out there. I, I think over the years with with you know in in show business, but I'd like to undo it with one game show appearance and not even on. I mean, Jeopardy, obviously, an amazing game show. On a lower tier game show, I'd like to go on and just be petulant and rude and a bad loser. <laughs> Come on. And undo the whole thing. All right, Conan, we're going to move on. I'm not going to move on. Why are we moving on? Take it easy, Conan. Fucking asshole. Wait, what did you say, Conan? And then they escort me off. I could see you doing that because I think you get very irritated when you get an answer wrong on something. Like I went to get your driver's test with you and I think you got two answers wrong and you were pissed. Well, pissed because they really screwed me on one of them. <laughs> it was something about... 
You have to look out your window before you take a U-turn, which I don't. I just do what my mom always did, which is cross yourself and then just jam <laughs> on the accelerator. <laughs> this is literally, and this is not a joke, uh, uh, the house I grew up on, in, grew up on. I grew up, I lived on top of the house. Oh my God. Yeah, I lived on the roof. In. It was a very difficult uh, childhood. But uh, they just shoved me up through a skylight and said, come on back down when you're ready for college. I uh, grew up at this house that has a very narrow driveway, and the only way out is you have to back out slowly, but sometimes there are other cars parked on the street, and it's hard to see. And I swear to God, there's about a 10-year period where my mother would throw it in reverse, cross herself, and jam on the accelerator. Jesus. With all six of you in there. Yeah. And she oh figured, look, there's six kids in. So we're acting as blood bags. We're really going to absorb the blow. And if there's six and you lose two, you still got four. I remember my mother, she used to tell us in the mornings, it would be really dark in the winter in Boston and super freezing cold. And our cars weren't great growing up. They didn't always start. And this is, you know, kids today are like, what's he talking about? No, cars really didn't start in the cold. You know this, Gorley, right? Yeah. You know, and so we, it would be freezing out and we'd all be in the car and my mother would be trying to get it to start and be going, and we'd all be sitting there and we got to go to school and it's freezing out in the car because the heat hasn't come on yet. And then she would say, uh, okay, everyone say a prayer. And there was some, she had a saint that you could invoke for every problem. So there's a saint if you've lost something. Is that St. Anthony? Oh. But she had a saint that she told us to pray to if the car wouldn't start. What? And I'm like, really? In the New Testament, there was a saint <laughs> that was worried about someday there'll be internal combustion engines and the car might not start right away because this will be, you know, the early days of automatic ignition. So that's, uh, you know, St. Gerald. Gerald. <laughs> Everyone say a prayer to St. Gerald so the car will start. And then we would. It would be some ridiculous saint, you know? <laughs> Our Father who art in heaven, St. Alfred. And then it would turn over. The car would start. Oh, wow. And that's what kept us invested in religion as I saw that, <laughs> wow, that stuff works. <laughs> I don't know which saint. Do you know which saint it is? St. Christopher, patron saint of the motor car drivers. Oh, for no, Christ's sake. Not. Yes, yes. I happen to know people that have a St. Christopher medal. That and she would, say, I, she would say it's St. Christopher. Yes. Now, But I was thinking, I thought he was just officially assigned to cars that wouldn't start. I don't, but I guess they just decided what? to make him a blanket car. Was he like a saint. late ad saint, like a contemporary saint that had something to do with a car? No, no, he wasn't some saint that was ordained in Detroit <laughs> in 1977, <laughs> just in time for the, the rolling out of the new Pontiac. We got a new Pontiac coming out. Hey, Christopher, come off the line. <laughs> yeah, what do you want? We're going to make you a saint. You're the saint of getting cars started. What? Uh, all right, what's in it for me? Not much. You have to die. You have to be dead. So we're going to kill you. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, uh, wait, the, the, so if a saint already exists and then a new invention happens, they'll be like, okay, give cars to that one. Yes, I think so. That seems weird. Well, who gets Siri then? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know who gets Siri. That's a really good question because now we've, even in the last few years, they've added whole swaths of technology. Is there, yeah. a, is there a saint you pray to 
when your website goes down because your internet's lost right. you, or you can't get your Bluetooth connection, they should assign a saint to that. Yeah. You know what we should do? We should contact the Vatican. Okay. And I'm I'm being serious and I think they would take my call because I'm I was raised Catholic. I think I've been a good Catholic. Yeah. Um we'll talk to the Pope. And I think they would get me right to the Pope. And yeah. I think I would like to ask what saint are they going to assign to this new technology yeah. that's been unveiled. This is important. This is more important than, you know, the pandemic and yes. then blessing people who might be sick. Yeah, holy pontiff, which saint covers the Samsung refrigerator with a television in it? <laughs> yes. These are fair questions. Yeah. I want to be I wish to speak to the Vatican. Uh Matt, would you arrange that please? I'm on it. Okay. That was the sound of someone lying. Uh <laughs> We should talk because um, our next guest is uh, scary talented. Uh-huh. I love her so um, much. Yeah, she really is uh, one of the uh, most potently funny performers I've ever seen. Uh, she is uh, just an absolute rarity. I, I do think I, people throw the term genius around. I guess when I'm walking by, I don't know. I hear it a lot. Oh. Um, not <laughs> you made it about you. <laughs> just you, ruined it. You made this I intro just ruined it. about no, you. No, no, no. People occasionally use the word genius in comedy, and I think uh, I, I never buy it. I, I think uh, it should be reserved for science and great mathematical achievements or musical achievements. But uh, this next guest, I, I really do think qualifies. Uh, she's a hilarious actress and comedian. You know from such shows as Strangers with Candy, BoJack Horseman, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and her true TV series, At Home with Amy Sedaris. I am thrilled that she is with us today. Amy Sedaris, welcome. Your hair is so nice. It's luxurious. You should do a shampoo commercial. You know, I really should. <laughs> you I should. should. Do. My hair right now looks like Victoria Principles <laughs> in a 1978 shampoo commercial. I should just be luxuriating in a yes. bath with thick suds in my beautiful silken hair. Yes, you really should. It looks really pretty. I look pretty, don't I? You know, this is a true okay. story. My grandmother lived with us growing up and once... She said in front of everybody, and I was really embarrassed, she put her hand through my hair and she went, you have a girl's hair. Oh. A girl should have that hair. And I was just, my brothers ripped into me, like, a girl should have that hair. You have a girl's hair. That's what you have, a girl's hair. She was right. You yeah. do. I know. But then it got worse, because later she saw me coming out of the shower and she said, you have a girl's body. She did. She said, you have a girl's body. You have a vagina. And I said, I do not. It's just a very small, malformed penis. And she said, no, it's a girl's body. You know, I'm going to tell you, you are one of the funniest human beings. You take my breath away. You're so funny. Wow. Yeah. And and not in a good way. I need to breathe. I I need oxygen. So many times. But you, I remember the first time I saw you, and this was the first time I'd seen you perform, and it was before I saw you in Strangers with Candy, which I've been yammering about ever since it came out, because I think it's one of the funniest things ever made for any medium. But- I I saw you before that show. I saw you do a live show and I didn't know what to expect. And you came out and you took a piece of scotch tape and you taped your nose up. You Mm -hmm. have a name for this person. Well, Uh, then it was Piglet. 
Piglet. Piglet was your name. You taped your nose up to like a pig kind of nose. And then you proceeded to shuffle your feet sort of like Popeye. And <laughs> and you were the foulest speaking, ca- most original character I had ever seen. I, I mean, I know that every time you came on my show after that, I would <laughs> bug you to do Piglet, if not on the air backstage. Yeah. But I remembered being, you know, people talk about, I saw you and I was blown away. Well, I've said that many times and I've never meant it. But <laughs> you... I that just was seared into my brain. It was one of the funniest fucking characters I think I've experienced in my life. He fucked me in the ass, turned around, got shit in my pussy, motherfucker, and shit in my pussy. I don't give a fuck. He thought who the fuck he fucked. Um, David, David wrote those, and they had such a nice. They weren't hard to memorize because of the flow of the words. Yeah. You fucked me in the ass. Turned around and got shit in my pussy. And shit don't come out for free, motherfucker. I got bills. Yeah. Every word. But you would also, you were kind of shuffling your feet a little bit. And it was almost like like someone... Someone in the lollipop guild. You know the way those guys oh, yeah. those guys shuffled their feet <laughs> right, and you right, were sort right. of doing something with your arms while you yeah. were doing it. And uh, I I don't know, my eyes, I couldn't stop laughing and I think my eyeballs melted and I was just so delighted. And then of course, when your show came out, uh, Strangers with Candy, and I know Stephen Colbert was in that show. Um, you had uh, a Paul terrific- Paul yeah, yeah, exactly. Paul Donello was in it. And you just had this terrific cast. You played Jerry Blank. <laughs> and Jerry Blank, it's a podcast, but if you're listening and you're not familiar with Jerry Blank and Strangers with Candy, go look it up. And there's on YouTube, 30 different ways that you can watch sections uh, of the show. You play this character that makes this perpetual face. Uh-huh. And it's kind of, yeah, you're- <laughs> I I swear to God, for years after watching that show, I'd get up in the middle of the night to pee or something, and then I'd walk over to the mirror, and I'd do a Jerry Blank face. <laughs> I'm constantly, that's how I entertain myself, is by doing Jerry Blank. And I would do little, like, little mud. It's got to be tight, right. But you use every muscle in your face to do it. That's why my face, all my muscles are in my face. And everyone thought, oh, you're wearing fake teeth. I'm like, no, I'm not. But that was a character we put in all our plays with David. Her original name is Mrs. Lexington. So I had uh-huh. the face down, and then we kept changing the background. Uh, you know, every play we did. And then we just decided, you know, I'd put her in Strangers. So I had yeah. the face down for a long, like a professional golfer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she had, he was, she was this character that had lived, really lived a hard, long life and had a lot of adventures and then goes back to school with kids and puts on a backpack and just tries to blend in. And it's the most absurd. It's got some of my favorite. I've talked to Stephen Colbert about this. I mentioned to him that one of my favorite pieces of writing is I think your character, Jerry Blank, is in the hospital and she's called like her family. And then at one point, uh, Colbert and some other people come. 
they enter the room that you're, and you're sitting, you're lying in bed and they say, we came as soon as we felt like it. (laughs) And and they said it like, you know, we, everyone says I came as soon as I could, or I came as soon as I heard. We came as soon as we felt like it. And they said it with urgency and real sincerity. And I've, when I hear a line like that, it's like, to me, it's just like a diamond that I just think, oh my God, that's, that's comedy writing at its best. Deborah Rush, Deborah Rush delivered that line. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is what I want to talk to you about because I've known you for a long time. And of course, I've read a lot about you through your brother. Your brother's been on this podcast. I don't remember yes, his name. Yes, love doing. <laughs> you, have, you have a lot of family. Um, Otis. I think it was Otis, Otis Sedaris. Otis, love doing your podcast. And, uh, but he was on the show, uh, on the podcast, and, and we've talked about you as well. But you are a very attractive person who, physically attractive person and in, attractive in every way, but you are physically very attractive. And I feel like you've spent most of your life- <laughs> <laughs> trying not to be, you know? Yeah, it's so funny because we live in a society where so many people, and especially women, are like contorting themselves to fit this canon of beauty, and you are a classically very attractive woman, and then you're you're constantly, <laughs> and almost, I feel like you used to do this to bother your parents, right? It's like to get out. <laughs> I sure did. Yes, we all did. I don't know what it's about more than, oh, probably hiding behind something, but it's more fun. It's fun to play that. It's fun to put on a fatty suit or to to look ugly. This is something your brother wrote about. Again, his name will come to me, but he wrote about uh, you got some money and you spent it rather than putting it in the bank or doing something smart with it. You came into some money through, I think, the TV show and you <laughs> you spent it on a fat suit? A fatty suit, but I couldn't afford the whole thing. So I said, okay, just make a bottom for me. That way I could stand behind a counter or a bar and I would look normal. But the minute I walk around, you're like, <laughs> it's, it's completely different. So why like did you opposites. do this? Why did you uh, well, do Well, my dad's very weight conscious and, and it was kind of just, I wanted to pull a trick on him. And, you know, I could do it to dad again and he'd fall all over for it. I mean, he'd fall again for it. But so I went home, I wore it on an airplane. I went home, I cleaned out the pantry. He just could not believe that I gained that much weight. And then he started blaming David, saying it was his fault. And I'm supposed to keep it. You're supposed to keep an eye on her. Oh, baloney. I mean, I kept, I, it was like three days. It was a long time. So for time. three days, you wore yeah. this suit that was fat just from the, like the waist down. Yeah, with sweatpants. I went and bought sweatpants that fit over them. They look great. I wore it on an airplane. I wore it on so, the airplane and everything. So at one, at any point, did your did your dad finally then want to go to talk to you about your sudden weight gain? That no, was he so- just yelled at me in front of David for three days. I mean, no, he just, he couldn't, he was so disappointed. He was so disappointed in me that I would put on that much, on the, put on that much weight. And I milked it. I mean, do you have any, you know, do you have any whipped cream? Like, can you tell me the story? And get, I mean, I did every, you know what I did. But. Do you <laughs> have, uh, do you, yeah, do you have mac and cheese with extra cheese? <laughs> I'll lose it. Like I kept saying, Dad, I'll lose it. I'll lose it. Like It'll come off. I'm still young. Oh, man. That was really good. Yeah. And also the way uh, in Strangers with Kenny, the makeup job that you did on yourself, uh, you know, you were just over it. Like Jerry Blank was just so 
overly tanned and just. Well, that was me. I, 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 would, I, I tanned a lot. I mean, I would lay out and stuff. But the only thing she really did was eyelashes. It took like 20 minutes. And then I put nicotine stain on my teeth. <laughs> but that's it. May, uh, some, some uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe a little color underneath my eyes. But yeah. that's it. Because, you know, it was enough. And then I didn't have tattoos or heroin marks. But that's why I wore, um, you know, my character would have those things. But that's why I wore a turtleneck with long sleeves. <laughs> so we didn't have to deal with that in hair and makeup. Good, good. Who needs that? Who needs yeah, who that? needs that? You don't want to look at that. Uh, you know, I suspect, and there are certain things I can very much relate to talking with you right now, which is this desire to constantly be playing with who you are that's something I come from a big family and I was constantly messing around with who I was. I would just try things and then commit to them and do it for a bit. And I remembered for a while just deciding I'm gonna have a limp, a bad limp. <laughs> and so my family would all go to church together and our grandmother, the one that said I had a, a girl's hair. Uh, and body. <laughs> please, the second part was made up, sort of. Anyway, uh, I've since had, I've had six operations. Since, but uh, there's a part in Catholic mass where you go up and you get communion. And for reasons I don't even know, when it was my turn to go up and get communion, I walked all the way down the aisle with a pronounced limp, <laughs> got my communion and then limped all the way back. And my grandmother leaned over to me and she said, are you lame boy? <laughs> and I said, and I, cause my grandmother was really old. My grandmother was born in like, you know, 1890. And when she was, I mean, when she was living with us, she, I mean, she had lived through people having giant wax mustaches and things like that. And she, she said, are you lame boy? And I said, just a bit, but I'll be fine. And my brothers were like, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? And I just was like, I want to be that guy for a while. The guy who's got a very pronounced limp. So you were doing this stuff. I mean, you and David, you did like fake shows when you were kids, right? We did fake cooking shows. Uh, We always did plays. We'd go to the convalescent home. My grandmother was, and we'd put on shows entertaining old people. We used to say we were knocking them dead. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we always did that as a family. And, you know, why not? I got my first wig in third grade. (laughs) I still have it. It was a fall. And I just always look different. I'm like you, I always like to be somebody different. It was just more fun to play and pretend. I mean, I, I still love it. You're so, and you're obsessed with wigs, right? How many wigs would you say you have? Maybe 30 wigs now. It could be like 35. And then I have a few lace fronts. But I, after, during the pandemic, I was walking. David said, oh, my God, I saw something in a window that I really want. I go, what was it? And he goes, I'm not going to tell you. But I made him tell me. And it was, a, it was a man's wig in this wig shop window. So I decided I'm going to go back tomorrow and get it for him. Stores had just opened up. So I went there. It was raining. I asked the lady. I, was, I kept pointing to the window. She's like, what do you want? So I went inside. And I said, I want to buy that wet wig for a man in the window but she wasn't there it's not a friendly wig shop they always give me a hard time but I said (laughs) I was like who else who else is gonna walk in here and buy a wig without trying it on it wasn't it wasn't cheap and then I thought oh yeah David would (laughs) anyway I got it for him but she kept saying stuff like are you on unemployment and I was like no I'm not she goes oh well you must feel comfortable like she was saying stuff like that to me and I was just like Lady, I'm spending $350 on a wig for my brother 
to fool a five-year-old girl at the beach. It's like, <laughs> let me just give it to me. Get me out of here. But it's a nice, it's a nice uh, men's wig and an undated blonde. And then he has some aviator glasses. And uh, so we laughed really hard uh, playing with that wig recently. He just wants to fool this girl who lives at the beach. She's five. And he wants to pretend that it's his twin brother, like David's twin brother, this guy. In the, in the I love that. So, you, well, why are you doing this to a five-year-old? Because you can. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, they're, it'll be fun. It'll their be sense of what's right and wrong isn't yeah. developed fully yet. Okay, I forgot. Yeah, that's when you want to do it. <laughs> you can pretend like you're somebody else. Yeah, I'm David's brother. What do you think of David? I don't know. I'm like, you can do all kinds of things. You guys should have a TV prank show, but oh, the, the pranks are the pranks are on like two, are on two and three year olds, and so yeah, they're that's just my real. Audience. Yeah, they're just real. It's just stuff. And the kids don't even understand the difference between what should have happened in the in the restaurant and what shouldn't have happened. They have no idea. I sense that this is true of you, that an audience isn't necessary. You seem like a kindred spirit that way, that you would be doing some of this stuff if nobody was looking. Is that true? Guilty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You do stuff I in do, the mirror? I, yeah, I, I, I always did. I love to do stuff in the mirror, coming up with funny faces, or I think, you know, what was the latest face I made? I'd have to think about that. But I did some new faces, some new characters on uh, At Home with Amy Sedaris, but I like them bringing them alive. Or sometimes it's just a face, and that's okay. You don't have anything beyond the face. You're a very, uh, very visual comedian, and you said something in an interview once that I completely relate to, which is you wanted the work that you did on TV to be funny, even if someone couldn't hear the sound. Yes. I lived over a deaf girl in Chicago. She was five. Again, me and the five-year-olds. And it changed, (laughs) it changed everything for me. Like I was like, Oh, you know, everything I'm from now on, I'm going to do when I do a show at second city or anywhere TV, I want to be able, I want it to be funny on a lot of levels, but physically needs to be funny or visually really interesting. It doesn't matter what's coming out of my mouth. And I think that's why I work so well with Colbert and Danello is they're, they're more of the writers. And then I could bring it alive physically, the mugging, right. and right. then add my own thing to it. But that's why it worked well. It's like, you know, say this, but do that. I'm like, great. Right. I get a lot of joy if I can make if I can make kids laugh or if I can make someone in a foreign country who doesn't know me and doesn't speak English, if I can make them laugh, that, that's more satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. Than saying something like, oh, that was witty. That was a witty thing you said mm-hmm. on Charlie Rose before he was canceled. <laughs> <laughs> I get that all the time. You were so witty on pre-canceled Charlie Rose. Charlie, Charlie Rose, no audience. Those shows are so hard. It's just like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't know how you, why wouldn't you want an audience for this? You get so much energy off a live audience, but I always think about shows like that. Who's the guy with the suspenders? Larry. Uh, Larry King. Yeah, Larry King. I used to think like, wow, that must be really hard to go on someone's show for a whole hour. And, you know, it's just the two of you. It's so serious. Maybe I don't want to have a serious conversation with that person. And it's a lot. Also, there were times where I'd go on a show like that and the person would have all these books in front of them because they had, after me, they were going to talk to Solzhenitsyn or some you know, great writer 
And I just thought, <laughs> wow, you had to do a lot of homework. Well, Bill Maher's like that. He's always holding up a book saying, I read your book this week. And I'm like, when did you read? How did you, you know, he seems like he reads an awful lot. That guy. I know, I know. He doesn't read them. I you can don't hold think up so? a book. Oh, no. Okay, okay. I happen to know be- for a fact he can't read. <laughs> Okay. You don't listen to he you. He can't read. He's, you know, I'm serious. What do you mean he can't comprehend? He can't see the no, word? No, he can't. Yeah, he's never, he was one of those people that's passing. He's able to get by without knowing how to read. And I've been with him at times where I've said like, oh, isn't, what's what you're reading there? And he goes like, well, why don't you take a look for yourself? Are and, you liar? He's not, he's not illiterate. Of I mean, course he can read. <laughs> of course he can. What are you talking well, about? Because Andy? I saw him bring home a box of powdered sugar with brownies on it. And he told me that he was going to eat these brownies. And I said, I said, Bill, they're not brown, brownies in that box. And there's not a cherry pie in that Crisco can. <laughs> <laughs> and then he wanted to go to a restaurant where there were pictures on the menu. Yeah. Like a Denny's. Yeah. I was like, this is what you do. And he had a newspaper under his arm. These are all signs. Kevin. These are These signs. Are you know, signs. when someone can't read, they go way out of their way to compensate. Right. So that's why he has a show where it's all about, I read your book. Now I read a lot okay. and I am okay. a very, uh, I write Sona. I read quite a bit. Yeah. Constantly, reading. constantly reading books. You don't see me talk about it because I can read Bill Maher and no offense to him. He does a great show, but he is incapable of reading. He never <laughs> had any proper schooling and He's overcompensating by talking so much of holding up books. You didn't notice half the time he holds them up, they're upside down. That's true. That's true. And they're boxes. They're empty. Maybe you should have Bill on your, maybe you need to talk to Bill. He seems to be a sore spot. Well, Bill, I've, Bill has been invited on this podcast many times and we've sent him the directions. He can't read. But he can't read. Can't read them. He always ends up at a gas station. Just screaming at the sky, why did I never learn to read? I love that wow. for a second you were looking at me like, what? Well, he no, can't I mean, read? I know he can. It's just like, again, but I I'm don't full believe. of shit, Amy. You know okay. that. You are full of shit. But with what? your long, flowy hair and your little <laughs> scarf, I was like, I don't know. I believed you for a second. This wait is- a second. So, wait, I'm going to ask you how many kids are in your. Are there seven kids in your family? Uh, there were six of us. There are six kids growing up. Yeah. And they were all alive still. Because I'm told said- they're all alive. They're, I don't okay. speak to them. Where Ever are you since I got six- successful, <laughs> I stopped speaking to them. <laughs> but I'm told that they're, I, my manager says they're, they're alive and that they may be well. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're everybody's everybody's doing great. There's uh, yeah. Uh, where six. are you in the six? What number are you? Well, uh, I have a production company called Middle Child Productions, which might tell you I am the third. No, it doesn't. So does that third or is the fourth the middle child? Really? Don't yell at me. No, don't you ever yell at me like <laughs> so that? Who do you think you the are? Middle, <laughs> so third's the middle child out of six. Sort of. I mean, I think it's sort two, of. My sister Kate and I are both the middle. She's the fourth, but I'm the third. So I think I think it's fair for me to say I'm the middle child. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Judgmental. Are you all tall? Uh, no. I think a lot of us are tallish. I'm I'm one of the taller ones. I think my brother Justin and I are the tallest. He might actually. And be a do you all taller. live in California? No, no. All over, I, have a, all over. I have a sister who lives up in the Bay Area, but everyone else lives probably within like 20 minutes of where I grew up. And wh- where did you grow up? You know, I didn't commit a crime, officer. <laughs> 
what is this, what is going on? Just I, answer the question. Okay. And what was where the Where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Brookline, Massachusetts, birthplace. That's what I, okay. Of, and just, your parents are alive, both your parents? Yes, my parents okay. are alive. You know, whenever I, my dad answers the phone, he yells, I'm still alive! <laughs> Into the phone. <laughs> That's so good. No, uh, yeah, my parents are, are still with us, as they say. Grandmother no longer with us. Yeah, sounds because like Because if she was murdered. with us, it would mean she was a zombie. <laughs> because she was literally, I think she was born in the theater when Lincoln was shot. She was just as old as paint. Do you and- think she was your first character? Like, because we, our grandmother lived with us too, Yaya, Greek woman. And she, I'd say she was my first real character. Like, you, you would do imitate- Yaya. Yeah, we would imitate Yaya. I'm sure you imitate your grandmother. And well, like- what, what I would do is uh, my grandmother, Madi, yes, one of my early impressions was of her. She used to very slightly, slightly rearrange things to no purpose on the table. <laughs> So she'd come in uh, muttering to herself and then she would move the salt shaker a, t- a quarter of an inch. So I would, after she had done that, I would come in and I would slightly <laughs> move things on the table. And then the other thing she would do is she was constantly going, oh, Moses, oh, Moses, Moses. oh, Moses, oh, Moses. <laughs> and so it sounded like something was wrong, but she would say, oh, no, Every, you'd say, Marty, you okay? Oh, of course, yes, I'm fine. Oh Moses, oh Moses, oh Moses. And so she kind of in a sick way, I think like a lot of older people, they love it when they hear some bad news because it's kind of like, oh good, something bad happened. Yeah, yeah. So once I stood up at the top of the stairs and she came by and it was like her, you know, 110th birthday and she was going through the front hall and I said, hey, Maudie. And she looked up and I went, happy birthday. And I jumped (laughs) off the stairs and pretended to get hurt because I thought she would like that. I think she did. I think she liked it. She was like, oh, Moses, oh, Moses. And I went, oh, and then I had a limp for a while, you know. Fake limp. 110. She was 110, and that was, she lived another 60 years wow. after that. Yeah. <laughs> she, she did. She did really well. I got to say, everywhere I go, people are talking about Monopoly Go. And oh. for good reason. It's an absolute hit. Yeah. I love Monopoly. People love Monopoly. And look, Monopoly's been around for a very long time. It's one of the oldest board games ever. Okay? Okay. But lately I walk around and I just hear like, Monopoly go, Monopoly go, Monopoly go. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they say, we're playing Monopoly go. You can play it with your family, your friends. It's a straight delight. There's always something new to do. Partner events where you can build on each other's boards and Crazy tournaments with team events you can recruit your friends for. Or you can just compete to outdo them all on the leaderboards. Mm. And when you're not messing with your family and friends, Monopoly Go is always throwing new stuff at you. They have taken Monopoly to the next level. I didn't think Monopoly had to go to the next level, but they did. (laughs) There's timed events like massive multipliers for all your winnings and challenges like treasure hunts or money sprees that have fun new mini games, plus with tons of rewards to collect, like stickers for trading with friends and hilarious emojis that are perfect for gloating, there's always a reason to dip back in. Yeah. Man, they cracked it, you know? They did. So join the fun. Download Monopoly Go now free on the App Store and Google Play. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT. Now ADT professionally installs Google Nest products so your home is safe 
and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security systems from virtually anywhere. Google Nest cams can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. You can know that there's a package out there. I know. And not a person. You don't have to that do helps. anything. Yeah, sometimes a person rings the doorbell and I think it's a package. Anyway, <laughs> and with Nest Aware as part of your monthly ADT service, you can get 30 days of event video history, even smarter notifications, like when a familiar or unfamiliar face is seen. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just a tap. Mm. I'm always setting off alarms accidentally. This is helpful for me. Oh, good. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, you got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are trademarks of Google LLC. If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You know, I'm seeing you now. You're doing all these characters with your brother. You're seeing people. You're studying them. When you had regular jobs when you were young, it had to come out like when you were working at a job. You know, I, were you ever, you were a waiter or a waitress? Would you ever do that? I did. I did that. I was a cashier. I loved the microphone at Winn-Dixie and I got, they finally took it away from me. Because what would you do with the microphone? Uh, anything, you know, insufficient funds on Terminal 5. You know, if somebody, you know, if somebody broke something in an aisle, you know, I would make fun of them. I just loved performing on that microphone. And then they finally, they said I wasn't allowed to use it anymore and they took it off my my register <laughs> <laughs> so you were the you only get, one that didn't get to have at the win dixie that nope. they, they took it away from you took it away if i needed to make an announcement i had to ask somebody else to do it for me and you uh, you worked at a red lobster I, I worked at a red lobster but my manager's name at win dixie was mr blueberry um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a real name it's real no yeah. it's not dennis dennis blueberry <laughs> okay. um, and then i did i worked at red lobster it was all you can eat in the south where i'd get a dollar you know you run your butt off for all you can eat crab legs and stuff and people would tip you a dollar but i liked waitressing it helped me with timing it helped me with character stuff um you know memorizing things 
I like, I'm curious what people eat. I'm curious what they buy. I just can't get enough of that. I love it. That seems like the kind of thing that almost you would do now, like in your spare time. Well, I did it when I was working on Strangers. I had a job uh, at Mary's Fish Camp right after that. But I think I got the feeling that the other waiters didn't really want me there only because I was taking money from them. Like they probably thought, oh, you don't need this money as bad as we do. So you're actually, you're getting shifts that we want. So I, and also I felt like it felt too much like a bit, like then people might come by and they see me waitressing. I hate it. I just wanted a waitress to do it. It's fun to do it when you don't have to do it. That'd be great if someone, if someone was giving you a hard time and then you could just, <laughs> Say, I don't need this and whip off the wig and the makeup <laughs> and say, I'm, I'm Amy Sedaris and I'm actually, I, <laughs> you just tip me a dollar. I brought you 65 bowls of crab legs. <laughs> and yes. I, I refilled your iced tea 15 times. Yes. Shame people. Yeah. Baked potato, french fries or rice, coleslaw or salad. <laughs> Okay, let me ask you a question. Do you have like a- Herpes. A con- <laughs> well, that's the question I was going to ask after this. I was going to ask, mm. do you have a lot of sex with people you don't know? And then I was going to ask, do you have herpes? No, the question I was going to ask is, you seem so fearless to me that I wonder if you have a, do you, do you worry? What if someone's going to think, oh, she's making fun of me? Are you are you one of those people that worries a lot afterwards? Oh, I hope they, they were okay with what I did. I, I was always worried about hurting someone's feelings uh, maybe too much. Are you sort of more of a sociopath, would you say? I'm more of a sociopath. I People will read it wrong. I mean, if they know you, and then I'm always forget like, oh, they don't know me. They don't know that I'm joking. Like I was recently doing something at Fish's Eddie before the pandemic, and I was selling. I was selling some lighters that I made. I cover lighters, mm-hmm. and and they they gave me some, a girl to sh- you know. They said, Hi, you know, this girl Mary, whatever her name, will sell them for you. But and I like I like being mean as a joke. I like mean people. It's fun to play mean. It's yes. so much fun. And I was playing mean with her. And she left. She was very upset. And I was like, I was just joking. I mean, you know, I'm just, how could she not know I was joking? I would never be that mean to somebody. But, you know, I feel bad. I do, I felt bad that she was upset enough to leave. I think that especially if you do, if you are worried about how people feel about you, it makes playing mean that much more fun because you get to try it on. You know, you know what I mean? You get to. Yeah. You have to, you have to be a dick about it. You have to commit to it. And especially if you're in an elevator with somebody, I like doing that. Like if I'm in an elevator with Dave and I know I got 19 floors, I'm going to bring up something, you know, like, why don't you want to see, why don't you want to see your adopted, you know, your, the daughter that you adopted. And then they'll go on, then they'll say something about medical. I'm like, David, he, he would take it somewhere darker. Like she's like a hospital tubes are hooked up to her. And I'm like, fuck, I can't believe you took it there. And then it's like, you know, but well, you got to keep it going. But I love that's elevator so much days. fun. So you will say you get on the elevator door, it shuts. And then you're in there with other people. And you will say, David, I just don't understand why you're not seeing your adopted daughter. It's really yeah. you really should see her. You should spend yeah. time with her. She loves you. And he's and like, I he, can't. She's in the hospital and with the tubes and the doctor. And I'm like, oh, shit. He, he would just, you know, then it's heartbreaking and horrible. But but then you'll go with it, right? Oh, absolutely. I would never. Yeah, you have to. You have to. You'll say she's calling for you. She's been calling for you for days. Or I'll say, well, they're allowed visitors now and the tubes look scary, but they're not scary. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to. Trying to 
<laughs> Kid is like, oh, I feel wiped out by the time we get to the, the lobby. One thing you and I might have in common is if you added up the hours and hours and hours and hours of our lives, thousands of hours that we spent saying foolishness and we're not moving the puzzle piece of civilization forward in any way. <laughs> Where oh, I yeah. can't, I can't say that we're accomplishing anything. <laughs> I know. Right? Yeah, you know, you're right. But we're laughing, and we're making other people laugh, and you can't beat that. As queer as that sounds. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. No, no. It's it's. I mean, it's, that's something. No, it's good. And we're in the moment because we're playing, and I right. love. It's always fun to be in the moment. Always. Yeah. When you're right there, it's like you feel so alive. And I, I just, I, I prefer that. Um, your show, At Home with Amy Sedaris, is hilarious. It's three seasons now. Three seasons. One of the things that makes this show really hum and really work is that you're obviously very funny, but you aren't condescending about homemaking or or a homemaking show. That's clearly something you're very passionate about. And that comes out. I think that's, that fuels and informs uh, a lot of the comedy on the show, and and it's what really makes you so good. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I do care about that kind of stuff. But then you also want to go for the laugh, and then you're like, oh, forget about it. You know what I mean? But visual, that's another good example. Visually, I, I I love looking at the show. I like the I Dream a Genie feeling the show has. You know, we're, it's all on set. It's a nice little group of people. We have so much fun. In real life, you like cleaning your home. You enjoy it. I love cooking. I like cleaning. Yes, I do. I'm like, I, I want to bring back Hazel. <laughs> I'd be a good Hazel. I do. I like running a household. Are you uh, someone who gets upset if you're over at someone else's house and you can tell it's not tidy or that things are not as they should no, be? No, I, I don't get upset. I get uh, like a more obsessed. I'm like, oh, wow, that's how, uh, I can't believe that that you don't make your bed when you wake up. And not in a judgmental way. I, I, I really love to go to other people's houses and see what they do and they don't do. I'm pretty, it t- says a lot about them. Do you go through their cabinets? Yes. Do you go through their medicine cabinets? Yes. <laughs> do you ever take things you shouldn't take? Yes. And I'll go home and I'll take a picture of it. I'll say, this is what I took from your house. I'll bring it back. I'll bring it back next time I come over. Yeah, but it'll be- I a- do it in some uh, stores too that don't have um, cameras. <laughs> You like to take something every now and then. Do you ever steal yeah. stuff? Do you ever steal yes. stuff? Yeah, I, I steal it from the, and then I'll, I'll send him a picture and say, this is what I took from your store today. I'm just letting you know because your cashier should have caught this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think it's stealing if you send them a picture of it afterwards. Right, I honestly yeah. don't. Well, I don't, I don't steal. That's true. I don't steal in real life, but I steal for, I, st- I, I, I steal and let them know that I took something. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you don't call it stealing? No. What would you call it? Well, you're you're testing the perimeter of their security. <laughs> yeah. That's what you're doing. It's yeah, not, I like that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's all that's you're per- doing. That's all I'm doing. Yeah. You're texting the Rolex store to make sure. That <laughs> Sona has admitted on this podcast that she used to steal regularly. I did. I did. I was when when the, used to like a week ago, or you mean when you were a child? I would say the last thing I stole was maybe eight years ago. Okay, what'd you steal? I stole a headband from Urban Outfitters. Um, oh. And I wore it out of the store and I passed several workers and it was like, a, it was just a rush to know that I was stealing it and they were watching me steal it. Okay, Winona. <laughs> <laughs> it was the thrill. It was the gosh darn thrill of it all. Oh my God, I just love it. <laughs> I have to say, I kind of know what you're talking about that I've had that with grave robbing. It's just the feeling, it's the feeling of like, 
the, the caretaker isn't here. I've got a shovel. I start going. I know I think I'm going to get caught, but then I get six feet down. I hit the wood. No one's come out yet. One people, Some people came by and they think I work here. And then you open it up and you don't know what you're going to get. You know what I mean? And then you get you get a tie clip and it's like, this is a decent tie clip. Grave. Robbie Graves. Well, whatever. It's a thrill. I relate, it's Sona. It's a thrill. Okay. It's the same thing. It's the something. same thing, whether it's a headband at Urban Outfitters or me digging up a grave in Newton, Massachusetts. You know, it's the same feeling. <laughs> the thrill of doing something so gosh darn unusual. I read that in the um, Our Bodies Ourselves when we had, a, we had to prepare and do monologues to get a job. I would uh -huh. memorize something from Our Bodies Ourselves. And there was one in there called Rimming. And, the, and this lady was like, the thrill of putting something small in your anus during lovemaking. Ah, the thrill of doing something so gosh darn unusual. She said that? Yeah, that was her, that was her little monologue. And I would, I would memorize these things. And I, would, I never got the part, but they all laughed. <laughs> Big surprise. <laughs> Why We're not, though? Wouldn't you rather hear that than something from, you know, the effect of gamma rays on Man of Marigolds for the 1900th time? <laughs> I know. So you'd go in there and you'd say, uh, yeah, would you ever add anything to it? Like it was a stapler or get a little more specific? No, I no, I, I, I would stick to it and memorize it word for word. That's what I should be doing with all this downtime we have. Go back to that book. It's hilarious. Our, Our bodies, bodies ourselves. Are well, I just like it. You know, it's, it's just a fun book to pick up and read, uh, you know, read things about people's relationships, dryness. It's just fun. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a real issue for some people. You know, I don't know. I'm very uncomfortable right now. Oh, okay. Terrible with anything vaguely sexual. Okay. I don't even I know. Understand. I didn't even know if dryness is sexual. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I oh, it's sexual. Is it's it sexual. really? Oh. Absolutely. <laughs> Not something I've encountered. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but oh, ladies on. are pretty happy to see this guy come down the pike. I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> Listen, I don't know what oh the fuck God. just happened. This is awful. This is awful. And you know what? It's your fault, Amy Sedaris. Oh, it it's your fault, fault because you fault. don't have barriers and then I lower my barriers. Okay. So this is all you that did this. Um, well, I just want to thank you so much for gabbing with me. Uh, I, I swear to God, I, uh, you are breathtakingly funny and so talented. And uh, you've been one of the people I've really wanted to talk to on the podcast. And I also want to talk to you in person when we're allowed to do that. I can't wait yeah, to see you. I can't wait to see you. And really, I'm, I'm honored to be your friend. And I want to thank you for putting me on your list. It was fun talking to you. I look forward to it. You seem very dismissive at the end. You're like, well, no, we're wrapping no, no. up I was, here. I, di I didn't be like, oh, I don't want to do this today. I never had that feeling. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's a really nice thing. It's true. That's true. So I, I think some people do have that feeling about me. Uh, yeah, I, I do. Think well, Keith you. Yeah. It's just I think Keith Urban something. had that feeling about talking to me. <laughs> I think Keith Urban was like, what? Him? The American? You know, and then he was like, all right, I guess. I'm in Australia. You know, and Nicole Kidman was probably like, wait, you're talking to him? But why? Are you getting paid? <laughs> no, I'm not getting paid. I'm just going to talk, you know. Oh, God. I know if Look that's not you. a knife, you know. 
<laughs> Worst accent That's ever. Terrible. I think yeah. my accents are really good. Throw no, one at no, me. Not yours, that country's accent. Oh, thank you. Glad we were clear about that. <laughs> Australia <Woo>! sucks. <laughs> well, he was born in New Zealand. <laughs> anyway, I just like to show, throw in how smart I am about places. You um, are. Amy, uh, thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thanks and, for saying such kind things. Well, and said, I'll, see, I'll see you when all this is over. Yes, and it's going to be over soon because I'm working on a cure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You should go in the kitchen and whip up a COVID cure. I uh, bet you could do it. David always tells people in the stores that he's a doctor. <laughs> and he works on he works on children's eyes. He, repla- he replaces their eyes with buttons. He replaces their eyes with buttons. And I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? Especially if he knows in another language. I go, what did you just tell that lady? He goes, that I was a doctor and I operated in children's eyes and I replaced them with buttons. <laughs> Well, now I got to get David Sedaris on the show to talk to him about that. So (laughs) I'm doing a lot of Sedaris family counseling here. All right. Thank you so much, Amy. I love you. And I hope I see you real soon. Okay. Bye, Conan. It's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, yeah. find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone (laughs) cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm-hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it 
It's less filling, Miller Lite, or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. All right, it's time to meet the first of our golden ticket winners. This is very exciting because a while back we did a contest on television, on social media, or on the podcast. You could win a chance to be a guest on this show, and it turns out today we have our first guest. Are you guys excited? This is exciting. Is this someone who uh, won by hearing the special announcement on the podcast or on the television show? <laughs> on the television show. Oh. Announcement. You know, you still don't know how it worked. <laughs> no, I don't know how. It, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know how it worked. It was, you just, what did you hear? What did this person hear when they were watching television? Well, I'm the podcast guy, so I don't know what they saw on television. I don't, need, but. <laughs> I don't know how it worked either. So you don't know how it works and you're giving me shit? Yeah. I don't know how this happened, but this person is here and this person's name is? Bailey. Bailey. And she's from Santa Monica and we'll bring her in mm. right now. Great. Hi, Bailey. <laughs> Hi. Hey, Bailey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, we're really, uh, we're really doing well. Uh, I guess I'm in the awkward position of saying congratulations. <laughs> you get to talk to us. Man, did we set the bar low. This is not Oprah. There's no Lexus with a bow on it waiting for you downstairs. It's just us. But we're thrilled to get to talk to you. Thanks for, for participating. Yeah, of course. I mean, I was wondering how much of the golden ticket aspect was going to be part of this because, you know, I'm still in my house. Like, I haven't gone anywhere you didn't send me any chocolate. Oh. I don't seem to be getting anything except this conversation from this. You know what? So far, you are a perfect Conan fan. Yeah. And that you are sardonic, not impressed. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yes, this is on point for all my fans. Uh, trust me, I haven't talked to my people, but I'm sure there's so much more involved than just getting to chat with us I think on the podcast. This park. is it. Is, are, this are you really sure? This, this is it. Be this it. is all Jesus it is. Christ. Yeah. Do you know what this is? No, no, no. Yeah. We'll send her some chocolates. What? Some chocolates? We don't some, even. You don't yeah. make chocolate. We're, we're just going to go know, buy gonna, some from CVS. Yes, and then put my cocoa's logo on. in his name. Come yes, on, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It'll say 80 percent cocoa on the back. There you go. I'll go to Costco. Okay, and then. Son, I try and find a really old used car. What? Just, <laughs> what? Just a really a car that's not safe, but what's the budget? Uh, I'll talk to you afterwards. Less than one hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> Less than one hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bailey, listen. Your life's going to change in so many ways. First of all, the conversation <laughs> should really be about you. You're in Santa Monica. Yes, I am. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. You you listen to the podcast? Yes, I do listen to the podcast. But it's mm -hmm. actually my the last thing I know you from. Obviously. Um, You've well, that's been, nice. Yeah. yeah. You <laughs> uh, saw me first as a model in the 1980s, oh, a Calvin oh, Klein model. Definitely oh, a yeah. model. You know, part of my life forever <laughs> that way. Hair model, clothing model, you know. Yeah. Oh, Bailey, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> Listen, I got to start high and then we'll uh -huh. just go down. I don't go. think you know how this works here. <laughs> Matt, you know how this works. You're still at the Sam Ash. I know what's going on here. 
<laughs> so, uh, so you live in Santa Monica. Yes, I do. I walk around Santa Monica. Do you ever see what looks like a, a tall English woman walking around? Uh, maybe sometimes with a golden retriever? Uh, no, I don't. But I will definitely keep an eye out for that woman. She seems lovely. Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, <laughs> during the, the pandemic, I've been going on these epic walks. I took a nine-mile walk. Jeez. Last week, and oh. I went all through Santa Monica, oh. and um, I can be identified because I'm I'm wearing a crocodile Dundee hat with the little teeth that I uh, picked up in Australia. That's my claim to fame. That's all I got. <laughs> so if you if you see me, come over and say hi and stay within six feet. I I, I definitely will. I mean, that hat is actually where I know you first from. If I'm going to be totally honest, <laughs> <laughs> Bailey, do you know what to yell if you see Conan out in the wild? Do you are, do you know what you're supposed to yell at him? I actually don't. I I mean, I assume "Hey you" is kind of a good start. But. Hey you is fine. Yeah, no, yeah, it's Katakai as God made her. Yes. Yeah, but please, oh, you know, let me just write this down. <laughs> God. <laughs> God. Well, I can tell you're just beside yourself with delight and glee. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> it's hard for you to hold it together. You haven't made sense since you got on. You just keep crying. It, yeah. Uh, I, it's, I'm hysterical right now. <laughs> I like Bailey. I know. Bailey, Do you want to the join best. the show? I no, know. Bailey, I like you are the sure. best. You should just, you should just, uh, you, you are, you are <laughs> the perfect antidote. In, in our world, this is exactly I've, who a contest winner should be. Yeah. And I've, someone who was like, hmm. Well, I was going to maybe go yep. to Whole Foods, yep. and pick up a rutabaga, or I could talk to Conan. I guess the rutabaga can wait a bit. Yeah, and also this is it, so I'm just talking to you. Yeah, I, yeah. No, no, you're nothing. gonna get some chocolates. We're getting some chocolates for Bailey. Okay, this is on the record. I expect yeah. this now. Yeah, you don't think I'm good for some chocolates? I didn't say they'd be very good. <laughs> you guys just got robbed. I have no idea what you're good for. <laughs> I know. I know. We did get robbed. Our studio got robbed. Uh, we were at the Largo. Theater. Have you ever been to the Largo Theater? I've been several times for music and comedy. Yes, I love it there. It's a fantastic uh, theater, um, expertly run by Flanny, as we all call him, Mr. <laughs> yeah. Flanagan. Yeah, apparently there's no security there. None. And, uh, and I said, how did the burglar get in? Because the burglar took some of our equipment, the robber. And I said, how did they get in? And he was like, well, it was one of seven ways. <laughs> and basically he just started pushing on pieces of the wall that kind of fell apart. So uh, very easy to break in there, just putting that out there. They just walked in. I, I think they like, just walked yeah. in and took some equipment and you left. had time to yeah. look through everything. Yeah. yeah. They checked and, out um, all of your stuff. They were like, this is it. This <laughs> is it. See, Oprah gives away Alexis. And if you break into her studio, there's so much you can take. Yeah. yeah. Conan, you get to chat with him. And uh, there's really not much there <laughs> in the studio. Uh, so tell me, what do you do, Bailey? Tell me about yourself. So I'm a writer, editor, producer, one of those amazing types of people where you say you're a storyteller, like one of those mm -hmm. things where you hear it at a party and you're like, I hate that person. That's me. Oh no, don't be. Now I know why you're my fan, because you're self-hating. <laughs> Self-deprecating is one of my things. Well, well, no, you sound very talented. You really do. Oh, I know you're, you're putting yourself down, but uh, how, do you, how do you use these skills? Uh, do you work in the entertainment business and advertising? Um, what do you do? Yeah, so basically I started as a music journalist. That's kind of was something that I was really interested in. And sure. it, it's kind of 
turned into an arts and culture writer. I've been a magazine editor. I do documentaries now. Um, yeah. Wow. Kinda... Where are you from originally? Did you grow up in Santa Monica or are you? No. And Matt knows this. I take this very seriously. I grew up in Van Nuys, Valley Pride hey, forever. Valley okay. girl. Valley girl yes. over here. So, okay. you know, if it's not so. 110 degrees, it's not hot out. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. If you're if your house isn't surrounded by four, count them four uh, strip malls or mini marts. It's, <laughs> yes. it's, it's not a home. It's I, not a home. You need you to be able to walk to, to a Seven Eleven in either direction. Yeah, I definitely have two on Seven Eleven Day. That's where I kind of like I make my route. <laughs> I'm still very upset at them for the one year they gave the little cups. I don't know if any of you are into free things as much as I am, as you can tell by me entering and winning contests like this. Yeah, <laughs> for nothing you for get nothing, nothing for free. But you know, Seven yeah. Eleven right. usually they give you like the normal cup, and this time they, you know. Well, Bailey, I am uh, I am very impressed with you. I really am. You seem oh, thank like a, you. I really am. You seem like a very funny and witty and cool person. You'd be the person, and Sona, back me up on this. I would be talking to Bailey a lot at the party. Yes. To the exclusion of other people, uh, and we would both be trying to out self-deprecate the other. Yes. And um, then afterwards, it'd be like, I really like Bailey. Bailey seemed cool. Yeah. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, I think it's probably the Irish Catholic, you know, Boston heritage in us both. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you think you have heritage in back in Boston? Do you think? Uh, well, my dad's from Andover. So. Oh God, that doesn't. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yes, it, it runs. It just it's in the blood. Yeah. Yeah, it's we can, we'll just one up each other by going down on like how bad we are as people. Oh. <laughs> you might be related. <laughs> probably are. Yeah. Probably yeah. are. You're probably my third cousin, Distant which makes cousin. your win illegal. By the way. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I still spent chocolates. Sympathy chocolates uh, you know what? for stealing. Guess what? I'm. <laughs> Sending out of my own money, <laughs> out of your salary, Sona. Oh wait, what? I'm sending Bailey uh, some chocolates because okay. I want to. I'm serious about this. I'm going to do this. So we'll, we'll yeah. find out, uh, <laughs> Bailey, uh, your address, and we will get you these chocolates. I'm just. I'm. I'm proud. I'm proud to have you as a. What appears to be a casual fan, but I'll take it. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be honest. I was wondering, like, after I got off the pre-interview with Matt and Aaron, I was right. I was very much like, either they liked me or they really didn't because I was insulting Matt. I didn't really seem that intrigued. I don't know. Like, I love you. You guys are great. Sona, especially. Love you forever. Hey. We're breaking up. We're losing the signal. Yeah, yeah we're, we're losing up. We're Actually, losing yeah. the signal there, Bailey. We're, we're I out really of time. do we're love Bailey. Uh, no, Bailey, uh, you are great. And no. You're exactly, you're exactly who I love as a fan. In that you barely tolerate me. That is my conception of a of a perfect fan. So, thank you for being a cool, smart person out in the world, and mm -hmm. for liking the nonsense that we make. And I am sending you chocolates. Yep. And you better like them because they were not part of the contest, and I resent you for it. Excellent. Thank you, Bailey. Yes, of course. <laughs> thank you. All right, you Bailey. Guys. Take care. Have a Thanks, good day. Thanks, Bailey. Bye. Bye. How do I leave this thing? <laughs> How do I get the How do I get out of this place? All right, that was bye. a huge mistake. That was a huge mistake. Oh, God. He was as bad as I thought he'd be. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's it. We just talked. Well, I love Bailey. No chance of me getting a swelled head around Bailey. Nope. <laughs> she fit right in. I love her. She fit right in. She could work for me right now. Yeah. <laughs> just... <laughs> Uh, very, uh, in uh, very cool, unimpressed and not afraid to, to flip me some shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, love Bailey. And, uh, I do want to thank State Farm uh, for making this, uh, golden ticket meet a fan event possible. 
they've done a great job for us. When you want a real deal like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Becton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. <laughs>